0: Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, guys, on to the show! Aaron Hamlin here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Aaron, it's been a while since we last had you on Center for Election Science. You guys, I'm sure it's election season here. We're recording. August 2020, and I'm I'm guessing you guys are getting busy, uh, because right now, obviously, people are are starting to, number one, focus on uh, election season, so people are starting to get more, uh, not only involved, but they're starting to do some research, and I'm sure with that, a lot of people have been starting to say, you know, this election system we have in America, why is it only we have, uh, you know, two flavors of ice cream, why do we have only a chocolate and vanilla, and I bet a lot of people are starting to look and see, you know, maybe it's because... Or electoral system is a little messed up so with that being said Aaron I think it'd be a great chance right now to reintroduce yourself to the audience and and show the value of what you guys are doing at the center for election science so with that being said Aaron Hamlin welcome back and let's uh, do a, a quick uh recap center for election science what do you guys focus on and then also do a quick uh, overview of also your, your kind of a uh, political background what got you so involved in uh, in focusing on election systems of all things
1: Sure. The Center for Election Science at electionscience.org, what we do is we empower voters with uh, better voting methods to strengthen their democracy, that they have a voice so they can finally be heard. As uh, the executive director, I founded the organization and uh, really excited to, to move forward in terms of uh, um, uh, the conversation here.
0: So let me uh, let me ask you this. We have right now in 2020, you have Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and then you have this one lady out there named, uh, you know, she's the bat lady, Joe Jorgensen, right? She's been on the show. She got bit by a bat. And everybody was like, oh, she's got rabies. No, Joe Jorgensen is great. She we did a Michael Scott fun run. So we're, we're good to go. She's good to go. But people are, are starting to actually open their their ears, open their eyes and open their hearts to considering voting for um, one candidate named George Jorgensen. And, and sadly, though, I still hear a lot of folks out there say you're wasting your vote. You're just wasting your vote. Let's just let's kind of start here, right? I, I think to, to set the the stage, let's at least um, you know look at some of these these common myths. And I, I think the the most common myth that we do here is the wasting the vote. So could you quickly just address that, and then also discuss maybe a little bit of how we got to the mindset that a vote for any third party candidate is a wasted vote?
1: Sure. So under our current system, we are forced to choose just one candidate, and the candidate with the most votes wins. And that is unfortunate, to say the least, because what that means is that a lot of people feel that if they aren't able to vote for the winner, that they've thrown their vote away. And if the candidate that you really like isn't likely to win, or they seem uh, like they are newer, or they don't have the same kind of viability, for a lot of people, that puts them in a case where they struggle on whether to vote for that candidate because they feel like they're not having a say. In the outcome. And so even if that candidate is your favorite candidate, a lot of people feel pressured not to support that candidate because they don't mm-hmm. want to throw away their vote and not have a say among the front runners.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, it's sad, right? Because I think right now people they really do want a, a different choice. And, and it's weird to see you still have this kind of mentality of shaming uh, other people. Like, I, and I, it's funny because I'll see a lot of people on the left are like, do not meddle in elections unless I'm shaming you and calling you a Russian bot telling you not to mess in an election. Um, but, but uh, but right now with Joe Jorgensen, she's on the ballot in all 50 states and there really is an alternative, right? To, to what is considered to be, you know, the, the Trump, Biden, Republican, Democrat duopoly. So let's kind of dig into this. How, how much of a chance, let's miss you know, all the cards on the table, in our current voting system does someone like Joe Jorgensen have, number one? And number two, based on that, what could we do to make it better in the future by changing the voting system?
1: So right now, I would say horrendous chance. Uh, the, the The way you would think about this technically is imagine kind of the proportion of the time that her vote would surpass the, uh, plurality electoral votes over every other candidate. And so that, that kind of tail of the distribution where, Mm -hmm. uh, where we see the number of times where she hits that threshold is vanishingly small. So it's, uh, not gonna, not gonna happen. Uh, so that's, that's the current scenario under our current system.
0: Yep. And that's with the um the, the the basically the pick one voting system we currently have where basically you you pick the worst of I guess the best of the worst. Is that is that fair to say? It it,
1: it we we're, we're really picking picking up words to try to yeah, it's it's a terrible situation. Regardless of how you frame it, it's a terrible situation.
0: It is. So I guess how do we make it better? So I, I obviously, you know, Alpha in the room, you at the Center for Election Science, you've been doing a lot of great work in Bring forward different ideas of voting systems. And when you were last in the show, um, you, you helped me in terms of, of clarifying between ranked choice voting and board account voting, which I will guarantee. I still use that to this day. Um, and we discuss approval voting. So can we maybe set some some of the uh, the the I guess those different types of voting systems? Kind of explain what each of those mean, and I guess what you would say is the best means going forward to actually help bring in more voices to the electoral system.
1: Sure. So some of the popular options that are out there in terms of alternatives, and there are a number of them. Uh, So there is an entire class of voting methods that involve ranking. Uh, Board account, as we mentioned last time on the show, is one of them. When you rank the candidates and those rankings translate to score values and you add up the score values. I like that one. That's my favorite one, by the way. so, So there's board account. That's board account. Um, another one is, which is more common in the U.S. in terms of reform is called instant runoff voting. It's a ranking method. It's commonly popularized under the name ranked choice voting, which is a little confusing because there are a whole bunch of ranking methods. Right. Uh, so the way that one works is you rank all your candidates. If a candidate has more than 50% of the first choice votes, that candidate wins. If not, which is very common when you have a crowded field, then the candidate with the fewest first-choice votes is eliminated. You look at their next-choice preference. The votes transfer over to to their next-choice preference. They're now treated as a first-choice preference. And now you ask yourself again, okay, now that we've tallied up these these ballots, does anyone have more than half of the first-choice preferences out of the remaining ballots because some of them can be exhausted? Uh, If the answer is yes, then you have a winner. If not, you keep going through that loop, through multiple rounds until you have someone that passes that threshold that's instant runoff voting also known as ranked choice voting
0: it just sounds messy honestly i mean it it just if i was an average voter and i heard that i would i would on election night be staring at my tv screen just completely you know just drool because you're like what what does this mean because i in before you go to approval voting i think part of the problem is that a lot of americans look at politics as like this 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 sport really and With it, there's a team that wins and a team that loses. So, it's easy with just a, you know, pick one voting situation to have a winner. And everybody else is the losers. And I think that maybe is also the mentality of people just wanting some type of, like, uh, finality at the end of election night. Like, we know who the president's going to be. Whereas, you know, if you have to go through multiple rounds of, you know, pulling out, you know, first place candidates and going multiple rounds, it just... It feel, I could see the like, oh, my God, this is going to take forever. And, I mean, let's look back to 2000, right? We had, how long was it, Of a couple of months after the election, and we didn't really know if it was going to be Bush or Gore. And, like, the country was kind of in a weird limbo for a little bit. Like, what's going to happen? And it was definitely uncomfortable for, you know, the country. I'm sure it was uncomfortable in, in D.C. So, you know, obviously, it... it, it it has its flaws, and it's not a perfect system by any means, and, and we discussed that in the show before, the, the flaws to it, but let's go to approval voting. This is something that you've been pro- promoting a lot over at the Center for Election Science, and you've actually, you've been working with some localities to get it enacted, so let's discuss approval voting again, kind of, uh, you know, set the the foundation of what the, it entails, but also, once we, we get past that, maybe we can go into um discussing some of the, the actual case studies you have, right? I know we discussed it last on the show, but Just to show this stuff isn't just, you know, stuff you're talking about pie in the sky. You actually, you're doing this kind of stuff, Aaron. So with that, approval voting, set the floor for us. Hey, folks, really quick. If you're looking for someone to amplify your message where both voters and customers spend their time, look no further. Right Strategies specializes in the unique challenges of both running political campaigns as well as small businesses in the digital landscape. With a proven track record of helping clients win elections and grow their businesses through smart, strategic digital marketing, Right Strategies is the perfect partner to help you reach your goals. Their team of experts will help you save time and money while helping amplify your message to help you win your elections and help win in the marketplace. With SMS texting from Right Strategies, you'll receive an efficient, affordable, and smart way to focus your marketing budget. By helping you reach thousands of voters and customers, Right Strategies will help you make a powerful impact on the outcome of your elections and your business growth from social media management to expert graphic design work to marketing your product or campaign or heck even building your brand awareness right strategies can put together a plan that makes sense for your goals and do so within your budget Want to learn more about how Right Strategies can help you win your elections and also help grow your business, head to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash RS to get your free campaign or marketing plan report card. And of course, be sure to let Morgan and the Right Strategies team know that I sent you. Again, that's com forward slash RS, amplifying your message where voters and customers spend their time. BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash RS. And now back to the show. Sure. With approval voting,
1: you can pick as many candidates as you want. So, normally you're forced to just pick one. If you pick more than one, they throw your ballot out. Not the case with approval voting. If there are 10 candidates on your ballot and you like, say, four of them or three of them or how many of them uh, that you like that you'd like to see elected, you can pick as many as you want. And the candidate with the most votes wins. So, that's like in a nutshell what approval voting is. And it uses the same type of ballot. The uh, so you don't have any kind of complexity with the ballot. Whereas, like a ranking method, for instance, like you've got this grid of the number of candidates, and then like on like another axis, you have all these rankings. You don't have any of that with approval voting. You just have the bubbles next to the candidate, and you bubble in as, as many as you want. Kind of like a thumbs up or a thumbs down for right. each individual candidate.
0: So it eliminates really the confusion of, of you know, having to preference anybody. It just really is, you have know, do, do you like this person? So, I, I mean, I personally, I liked the border count um mentality more so because I would like people to go into the ballot box more educated, like to actually have to say, like, I think one, two, three, four, um, which, you know, I think that'd be better for America. If you could say, objectively speaking, like, I know that Trump and Biden are both terrible. I think, you know, Joe Jorgensen would be, would be the best candidate. And you can say that in your preference, but then say, because I don't want the world to, you know, go one way or the other, whatever the argument that they're going to use today, you can either rationalize in your brain, putting Trump or Biden, you know, number two to say, you know, you're still doing your part for your side. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that would be a great alternative, right? But then to your point, approval voting, it brings it down much more to like, an easier to actually implement level is that fair to say?
1: Approval voting is super easy to implement. It's also free, which is not something that can be said for alternative options like instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting, which require uh, special voting machines and often have recurring costs within those elections as well. Mm. And like you mentioned before, you've got delay issues. Uh, there's potential for voter confusion, particularly on the back end. The ballot itself is more complicated. So you've got all those kinds of issues. And really, uh, a number of those issues can come with practically any ranking method. It's just that that particular method is what's being pushed right now in the US.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's dig into some case studies here, right? So Fargo, North Dakota, discuss. You had some good success there, right?
1: Yeah. And this is kind of an interesting implementation. So a lot of times as we're discussing this now, we're talking about single winner approval voting, uh, with Fargo, they had a two-seat commissioner race. And typically, when you have multiple seats, you use a different kind of class of different voting methods. But with this, since there were only two, and also we were working within the confines of what was politically possible, and Fargo was looking at their commission, we still use this for the two-seat election. Now, the next election in 2022 Will use a single winner election with approval voting for their mayoral seat, but for their going back to here with their commission, the they had a seven person race for their commission, and, and normally they the people in their commission seat, uh, uh, in the commission race they they would win with something like 40 percent if they're lucky in terms of percentage of of the uh, ballots that they were voted in on. But with approval voting, this time around, the two people who were elected, both of them were elected with over 50% approval. Oh, and wow. on top of that, the it seems to have addressed the vote splitting issue. So there were a number of people in this particular election, a little bit more center left, where otherwise it looks like they would have split their vote. But here, under approval voting, their vote was not divided. And like here, I'm talking about it within the center left, but like That changes depending on where you are. If it was another uh, geography or locality, it could have easily been the center right uh, or whatever have you, splitting their vote. Mm -hmm. So what we're really worried, what we really are concerned with is making sure that the electorate themselves, wherever they are, whatever kind of political ideology or hopes and dreams that they have, that they don't have to worry about splitting their vote. And they are able to get the winners that represent them.
0: I would imagine that one of the hardest parts has got to be like the education aspect, right? Because I mean, let's be real: the 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 most uh, really any American citizen gets to learn about their education, or, or sorry, learns about civics is in their um, their education system. There's their their public schooling system. So unfortunately, um, I, I would be a little nervous to say that you know you implement a brand new type of voting. And everybody's going to be ready to rock and roll. So how do you how do you go about in helping get people prepared, both in terms of you know the the, the citizenry in terms of knowing what to do and how to, to actually you know do uh, an approval voting, but also like <laughs> my dad's an elections uh in our elections commissioner my home uh, county up in northern New York and like they have elections inspectors all across the county they have to sit there every single election with people and I'm sure the first election it's going to be you know. A lot of questions. So, how do you address those questions um, when you know it's go time and, and you know people are actually going out and casting those ballots?
1: Absolutely. So, we had to be proactive,
0: and it wasn't to be clear. It wasn't
1: just us here. We this was the result of a grassroots effort. So, we had a number of people local to the community that were on the ground that really were offering this, solution, this as a solution to their community and they wanted it to be a success and they wanted to make sure that everyone understood it. They started off on a really positive foot by the voting method that they chose because other alternatives are much more complicated than this, but they pushed for uh, an education campaign. They did a lot of media outreach, making sure that this is something that people were aware of. We also helped them with uh, doing educate providing education materials we provided them a grant uh, recently in order to make sure that they were able to uh, educate the voters themselves make sure that they understood the how the ballots worked and in addition to that we did a poll to see how, What kind of impact it had in terms of how people accepted approval voting. And the results of that poll indicated that 71% of people said that approval voting was easy, Hmm. which is not surprising because it is easy. Uh, 62% said that overall they liked approval voting. And another 62% said that they were comfortable with approval voting. So it looks like given the data that we got back, that the education campaign was successful.
0: Well, it's a plus. And that means that I would say that proves it could be scalable, right? So let's scale it up. Let's say, and I would love that my, my awesome researcher and and you know behind the scenes extraordinary Corey, he he brought this up in a question, and I think it, it it actually raises you know a lot of you know curious like hypotheticals. Is let's say we were able to get approval voting scaled up on a national level, right? Would you envision seeing like approval voting actually take over the existing electoral system being that of like the electoral college and more so have it based on a national popular approval voting type of mentality or would it be more so of that it would be each individual state and then it would go to electoral college how would that all work out
1: you could technically do it either way um so Sidestepping the electoral college, you can do that a couple of ways. One is through a constitutional amendment, which is very challenging. Another is using an interstate compact, which is something that the National Popular Vote Plan uh, uh, wants to do. Approval voting is actually compatible with that in a way that other alternative voting methods aren't. So it does have an advantage if you want to sidestep the electoral college by using the National Popular Vote Plan. But also if you don't want to sidestep the electoral college and you just want to say, hey, uh, states have the ability to allocate their votes however they want, but maybe I don't know about this inter-state uh, agreement. You can still have it so that the state themselves uses approval voting to decide how they allocate their individual electoral votes, and and the same. And now they do it in a winner-take-all sense. So, for instance, like let's say if New York passed approval voting at the statewide level, well then you're looking at federal offices too. So approval voting would be used to vote on Senate seats, U.S. House seats, and you could use it to vote on the presidential election as well.
0: Hmm, Interesting. So I guess, what would your thought be? So obviously, when you had the Electoral College, and we're, we're digging some history here, right? Electoral College itself was a compromise, and the compromise was to basically give... Well, it it was part of when you had the Senate and the House, right, to give the equal representation essentially for the states that had you know larger populations versus those who did not have as large populations. So, you look at what, with with today the Electoral College, and a lot of folks on the right are are you know especially on the right are in favor of the Electoral College, explicitly for the fact that it does give the the flyover states especially a voice. So, I would hear probably one of the first objections would be. Well, Aaron, like, what are we doing here? Like, you're you're going to end up having all these people that are, you know, in these these flyover states that are now going to be, you know, dictated by the coasts. How do we deal with that?
1: Uh, so, here to be clear, what I'm saying is that you can. So, approval voting works with the national popular vote plan. So, you can do that if you want to. You don't have to do that. I'm just saying it's compatible with that approach, and it's compatible with a lot of things, just because it's such an easy method. If you want to do it by a state-by-state approach and have the states allocate their electoral votes just how they normally do but use approval voting instead of the choose one voting method now, you can do that too within the context of the electoral college. And see, I got to play
0: devil's advocate, right? Because mm -hmm. these are the questions that I know – People are going to see on Facebook. They're going to they're going to say, "Hey, we should try approval of voting." And then you're going to have you know Boomer Bob come in, and he's going to be like, "Well, what about the flyover states?" And then it's going to be a whole conversation. Well, not even going to be a conversation. It's just going to be um, you know all caps screaming by Boomer Bob, and it's not going to be productive. So I think it'd be great just to have kind of those objections ready to be overcome. My day job's in sales, so like everything in my head is always about how you're going to be able to best overcome an objection. So in this case. I would say probably that would be one of the main objections. The other objection I would hear, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is that it's, it's not practical. Why, why, why do you think we can do this? Why, why, you think, number one, that we can get anybody to agree on a president, let alone changing the way we vote entirely? What's, what's uh, the way you would overcome that?
1: For example, in the city of Fargo, North Dakota, it passed by 63.5%. In St. Louis, where we're running another campaign now with the community there, it's looking extremely good in our preliminary polls. Uh, So long as we're able to run a competent campaign and get the word out, it looks likely that that'll pass. Uh, But there's still a lot of work to do there, but it looks very, very promising. Mainly when, so whenever we're We don't want to, we want to be efficient with our efforts and with the donations that we get as well, because we're a a nonprofit. And so one of the ways that we calculate our actions is that we do polling ahead of time. And every time we do that polling, what we see is that once people hear about approval voting, they tend to like it. Not to say that everybody likes it, but by far people like it more than they don't like it once they hear about it. So it's really just a matter of learning about it as an option. Because at the end of the day, what they're comparing it to is this terrible, terrible choose one system that they have now where they can't express their opinions honestly, where they feel like they are throwing away their vote, where they can't support third parties. And approval voting gives them the ability to address vote splitting issues, being able to support the candidate that they really like, and they get to do that in a way that is easy. It's not hard to implement it. It's free to implement. It doesn't it works in even the dumbest of voting machines. And so they're, they're getting all these these aspects of, of voting and making sure that their voice is heard that they want. and it's not costing them an arm and a leg in both cost and it's not costing them in complexity either.
0: This is where I like to tie everything together, right? Because what you're speaking to is is really um what libertarians speak about all the time. And that is the value of the free market. And that is when you in, when you increase options, you increase the, the quality because now the other options have to compete. And and we see that. I mean, if I are, if I were to say, you know, you have to go and purchase either a Ford or or a GMC, and here's the thing, I'm sorry, it's actually going to be voted on um, by everybody, and whatever one that they vote on, 50 plus 1% majority, that's the car you have to use. And everybody's like, that's insane! And it is insane. Because that's not how, not only... I mean, not how it should work, but that's not how it works in anything. I mean, we, we don't expect that, you know, with our, with our movies. We don't expect that with our TV shows. We don't expect that with our cars. We don't expect that with, with, our, you know, our, our phones for crying out loud. So I think it's important for us to then make that jump. Um, and that is to, to say to people, why would you want that in your voting system? It, it just, it, it does breed, unfortunately, um, just this this incestuous swamp that we have in D.C. right now. I mean, God, Trump, when he was running it in 2016, that's kind of what got him into the White House was his really explaining to the people that, yes, there is a swamp and we're going to drain it. Now, did he do that? No, he inflated it by like eight times. But regardless, that was a sentiment that people were resonating with. So to your point, Aaron, I think there is a, a desire... By the people to have this alternative voting system and, and, you know, with that, change the candidates that we're getting. So, with that being said, I wanted to quickly um, turn the question more towards that of one of strategic voting, right? So, my, my expertise before, um, you know, I went into sales was in political science. And one of the things we talk about is strategic voting theory. And I would love to hear, you know, if you could give me the, um, the argument for, voting for a third party for either side, right? Because right now I see we have the left and the right who are just, they're so tribal and they don't want to at all hear any other side. But I think that there is a merit, right? If we were to objectively look at a third party candidate from a strategic uh, strategic voting standpoint. So could you speak to that and maybe to the merit of both candidates to say, hey, time out for a second, really look at the third party candidate and see that you might be able to get more positives than you would otherwise.
1: So here, like, are you asking about this in terms of under our current system or under approval voting?
0: Uh, let's 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 make it under approval voting. How about that?
1: Okay, under approval voting, boy, they, it's so much easier. <laughs> so, so under under our current, choose one method. Yeah, set that got, foil. <laughs> you, you may you may sweat some bullets there. So, under approval voting, it's really not an issue. So, say you really like Joe Jorgensen and. So you're looking at, at Biden as well, and you're thinking, ah, like I don't I don't know about Biden, or maybe maybe even have uh, second thoughts about Trump. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you are looking at the candidates, and you say, like I, I I'm I'm having a tough decision among the front runners, but it is clear to me that Joe Jorgensen is better than every other candidate. Well, under approval voting, you can always support your honest favorite. It will never harm you to support your honest favorite candidate, and so right away. Support Joe Jorgensen and even other people, maybe other people who maybe don't have Joe Jorgensen as their favorite, but they say maybe they actually like Trump or they or they like Biden, but they have a libertarian spirit to them and they say, like, you know what, maybe Joe Jorgensen, maybe she isn't even my favorite, but she's got a lot of ideas that I'd like to see brought to the table and I'd like to support her as well to make sure that those ideas are heard. So this. This really has uh, a number of ancillary effects. So here when you're voting now you can support your honest favorite. if you want to hedge your bets at the same time, you can vote for uh, Trump, or you can uh, vote for Biden to hedge your bets to make sure you have a say at the out- to make sure you have your say in the outcome, and support Joe Jorgensen at the same time. But even say, in the event that Joe Jorgensen doesn't win, even under approval voting, you've done something that plurality voting is incapable of doing and that is being able to capture the support of non-major party candidates. So approval voting does an excellent job of capturing support for independent candidates and third party candidates. And we saw this when we did a poll in 2016 as well. So when we did a poll in 2016 comparing Clinton, Trump, Johnson, and Stein under approval voting, Johnson got 21% approval. Hmm. And if you remember. In that election, he got 3% under plurality voting. So that is a tremendous jump.
0: So it shows it works. It's wild. well what we need to do then obviously is, is get more people aware of, of you know what's happening at the, the center for election science and number one that involves people sharing today's episode but number two heading over to the center for election science website it's electionscience.org and aaron they can find you over on twitter at aaron f hamlin now with that being said give us a call to action where can folks i know you guys are accepting donations to help keep pushing things forward so where can folks go ahead and do that
1: Absolutely. You can go to electionscience.org. We have a great donation page. It's also worth uh, mentioning that because of the CARES Act, you can donate uh, up to $300 if you don't do a uh, stock donation for your – so if if you don't do itemization, you can do an above-the-line deduction of up to $300 this year because of the the CARES Act uh, if you make a cash donation. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Otherwise, feel free to uh, uh, donate to your heart's content. Uh, so that you can see approval voting implemented in more places. And if you're looking at this and you say, okay, well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited to donate, but you, you know what? My excitement does not end there. I really want to make sure that this is implemented in as many places as possible, and I want to be on the front lines to make sure that My voice is heard that my neighbors voices are heard and that the candidates that I care about, that they're able to bring their issues to the table. And you're just not content until that can happen and approval voting is implemented in more places. If that's your attitude, we have a great opportunity for you. So this year we have started up a chapter campaign. So if you go to our website under take action and then join the chapter program. So if you go to electionscience.org, go to join the chapter program and click on that under take action, you can join a chapter in your local area. And we have chapters all over the country already. We, this, this just started this year and already we have chapters in Denver, we have them in, in Portland, we have them in Austin, we have them in Dallas, we have them across the U.S. in major cities. And this is right now, we're already hitting these major cities, but in the future, we will go into states. And so, this is really an excellent opportunity to get involved to make sure that you, that you don't have to be in a situation where your your friends give you crap for voting the way that you see fit, and making sure and just being able to make sure that you're able to have your voice heard and not get crap from your friends and not have second guesses about making sure that uh, that the people that you vote for represent you.
0: Oh, Amen. Uh, honestly that's exactly what we need because at the end of the day too aaron i think it's important to recognize that over half of america didn't even vote last uh, election cycle so that means that you know what the people that, that are voting right now are are, are not actually in the, the majority i think the majority of people out there who i, I dare say are the silent majority are the people who just want a rational human being to be you know the, the head of the country and gosh i i would say if we had approval voting right now Dr. Jorgensen would have a hell of a chance. But with that being said, Aaron, thank you so much for joining The Brian Nichols Show. And definitely, I will include the links there in the show notes. So people want to get inspired and go and act, they will have the means to do so. That being said, Aaron, thanks again. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com